Hey everybody, this is Keith Rainwater. Welcome to the Designated Drummer Podcast. Hope everybody's doing good. Um, we are up in Pendicton, Alberta, Canada. Um, and we have been traveling all night doing these shows with Sawyer Brown. We're out on tour with Sawyer Brown right now. And um, had a great, great show last night in Medicine Hat, which is actually where Terry Clark is from. Our good friend Terry Clark. She's from Medicine Hat, so it's really cool to kind of play her sort of hometown. Now, she wasn't there, but we did pay homage to her on our show and say, hey, everybody, we know who Terry Clark is, and we're friends with her, and we know we realize that she's from here, and we had a great show last night. It was great with Sawyer Brown um, and Doc Doc Walker and George Canyon. We've been doing these shows up here. They've been going really great, Um, and I thought I would just talk a little bit about today about traveling. And since we just came off of like an all-night bus ride and half a day, which is supposed to be a day off today, but we had a half a day of trying to navigate our way with our bus and trailer through the Canadian Rockies, which if you've ever driven through the American Rockies, like going from like, say, Denver up into the mountains and gone all the way through the mountains and all the way out to through Utah and all that, that is quite a pilgrimage. So imagine doing that on a tour bus with a trailer and all that stuff up in the Canadian Rockies, which are just like the, you know, pretty much like the American Rockies, trying to navigate your way through all that in the winter. I mean, in the, well, it, it feels like winter up here. It's all snowy and cold and the mountains are, uh, well, you, you'd imagine what the mountains would be like this time of year, you know, a lot of snow and cold and, but it is beautiful and the trees are nice. And it's um, great scenery. A lot of times I'll spend a lot of time in the back room of the bus, the back stateroom, just looking out the window, listening to the hum of that engine and just kind of taking in all the scenery, you know. And um, it's just been great out here on tour. We've had big shows here in like these hockey arenas and things like that, doing uh, shows, doing, we're sort of the middle act with Sawyer Brown. They're closing the show. And speaking of Sawyer Brown, if you ever had gotten a chance to check out, or I should say if you haven't gotten a chance to check out my podcast with uh, Joe Smith, the drummer for Sawyer Brown, he's a good friend of mine. I have known Joe since I was in Canyon, since I was since the Canyon days in the late 80s. And Sawyer Brown was in their heyday. And I mean, they were just like, you know, they were just all over the place. They were huge. And, uh, we did some shows with them, and I got to meet Joe and hang out with him so many years ago. And uh, he is on my podcast back in January, January 13th of 2022, um, almost a year ago, I guess, you know, coming up soon. It'll be a, a year ago. Um, got to sit down and talk with him about his journey and how he, you know, teaches at one of the schools here uh, or there in Nashville. Um, and uh, it was a great podcast, a great uh, conversation with him. And here we are reunited back out on the road. Now, I don't have him sitting here with me right now, but um, we have taken some pictures and hung out at Soundcheck, and we had a good time out here. But I just thought I would mention that Joe was uh, on my podcast already, and we talked. We had a great conversation. If you get a chance to check that out, just look back on all the, uh, on like, say, Spotify or whatever, look at all the previous episodes and it was in January 13th of 2022. And uh, so speaking of Joe, <clears throat> excuse me, like Joe has been 
with Sawyer Brown, playing with Sawyer Brown, not just playing drums, but playing also, you know, drums, but I mean, with Sawyer Brown, the same band for 40 years. In 82, I saw them on their first time I ever remember seeing them was, and I think they were pretty new at the time, on Star Search. Um, they were going up against one of my favorite bands from Dallas, one of my uh, bands of buddies of mine from Dallas, and their name was Dallas, the name of the band. They went up against Dallas, and they won. They won, and I didn't even know who they were, but then I started watching them come up through the through the ranks and you know, the, making records and doing videos all the time and stuff like that, and uh, always uh, seeing them out on the road when I was in Canyon in the late 80s and all that. Um, but he has been in that band and traveling in that band for over 40 years. That's incredible. And I just thought I would talk a little bit about traveling and some of the key things about traveling that is good and bad. I mean, you know, it can be good in certain ways, traveling around the world and um, not just across the United States and Canada, but, you know, throughout the whole world, you get to go out and make your particular kind of music to people that are interested in listening to it, even in other countries, just really, really interesting. Um, and it's always kind of surprising to me when you go overseas and you find out how many people are really into your music. And that that's such a flattering thing, you know. I mean, they're in a whole other country and you don't have any idea what the record sales are like over there. I mean, I guess you could kind of keep up with that, but I, I guess I never did. Um, but, uh, you know, it's always super interesting to uh, go to another country and, you know, just see see why they like your music and how many people come out and uh, how passionate some foreigners are of your brand of music. And it's really, really fun. It's one of the really cool aspects about traveling that I'll talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, getting to see the world and getting to get paid, getting paid to, to travel around and see the world and in a working capacity. And for me, making music, playing drums and making music is not really like, you know, work work for me. It's more fun than anything, I, I should say. But um, getting paid to do that and to travel the world and see things and meet people and things like that. Uh, and have all these really cool experiences and get paid to do it. It's just one of the coolest things I can ever, you know, imagine happening to me. And I feel very, very fortunate as a musician to have having been have given the opportunity to travel all over the world and, and experience all this. Um, but that, you know, isn't always necessarily a great thing in that what I mean is like bad things can happen. I mean, things do happen. It's not always fun and games and things like that um it, there there can be some some problems i mean i've heard stories about bands who have uh, been out on tour and um got all their equipment stolen or even i heard a story about a band that got their equipment confiscated because the person in the band like the band leader whoever that was um paying for the supposedly paying for the equipment didn't pay for the equipment and you know in unbeknownst to the rest of the band uh, they came and confiscated all the gear all the pa gear and everything everything that they had bought so they didn't have a way to, to make music they had i guess they could keep their own personal equipment guitars and things like that but still it's pretty 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 a uh, horrible thing to happen to when you're out there making a living and then all of a sudden you know your equipment's all gone or stolen or whatever 
Um, and then you have to either try and get it back or you have to try and buy new equipment or whatever. It can definitely be a uh, horrible thing. Like I say, uh, luckily we haven't. We did actually have in Lone Star, we had, before we were Lone Star, we were Texas Sea. We did have a trailer get stolen with some of our equipment in it. Now, it wasn't all of our band equipment. I think someone was, we were, we lent the trailer out for somebody. So some of my equipment was in there, but we had somebody come and steal the whole trailer full of some drums and uh, power amps and guitar amps and things like that. Not fun. Not fun to have to track down and replace all that equipment. But that can certainly happen. We did uh, our van when we were back in the van and trailer days, which I'll talk about in a little bit about one of the aspects of traveling as a band sort of starting out in the early days. Uh, We did have our van broken into one night, but luckily Dean caught the guy breaking in in the middle of the act and uh, things didn't go very well. I'll just say things didn't go very well for that guy. Uh, The police did finally come, but um, I think uh, Dean, Dean, I believe if I remember right, Dean kind of roughed him up a little bit. He was not happy. Dean was not very happy with that guy. Trying to, I think he was trying to steal our TV out of our van. We had a little TV in there. That was back in the days when the vans had little TVs in them, you know. And um, so, yeah, back in, talking about the van and trailer days, uh, traveling around in a in a in a van with a trailer, two gigs to in between gigs to, you know, back home, that kind of thing, traveling around. Um, it, it is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I remember, uh, getting in the van and we leave, we figure out how long it took to get to somewhere, 12 hours, 14 hours, whatever, 10 hours. And we would calculate our time out. We would usually drive all night, take turns driving all night. Um, and then trying to sleep when it was your turn to sleep in a chair, in a, in a, in a, that you could, didn't really lean back all the way, but it leaned back some trying to sleep in a chair is not easy. And, um, it just makes things really hard. The next day you have to set up all your equipment, having had hardly any sleep, um, load everything in, you know, have a haul in all this heavy equipment, load in, set it all up. And in a case where you're doing sort of one nighters or something like that, which a lot of bands do super, super tough, um, on, your energy. I mean, it, it would just take so much. I don't think I could ever do that now with at my age, but when we were young, we had a lot of energy. So it would go something like this. You would drive all night. You would get to the hotel, wherever it was, and you'd maybe just check in for a minute, drop off your bags, go back in the van and trailer and go to the, wherever the club was or wherever it was you were playing, load, uh, unload everything, bring it into the club, set everything up like drums and PA and if they, if they already had PA that was great but sometimes we had to rent a PA from somebody or borrow one or something like that and we'd have to set the PA up set all the instruments up do a little sound check go back get cleaned up come back do the whole play the whole night not just one show we had to do like five or six sets and do the whole entire show a whole night of playing and then at the end of which you have to just immediately get started tearing down again if it if you are doing one-nighters tear everything down again and this is without any crew or anything this is just the you know five of us musicians and um luckily every once in a while we might have a sound man or something that's come along with us and but in a lot of cases we had to run sound from the side of the stage you know because we were our so we didn't have a sound man we would just do it ourselves. and a lot of the clubs we played 
luckily did have PA and have a sound man that would run it there. Luckily, but have to tear all the equipment down, load it back up in the van, get in the van and drive, take turns driving, whatever, all night to the next place and where you would just rinse and repeat. You would do the same thing again. You'd check in the hotel, come over, go set your equipment up. And I swear there must have been times in my past where I was questioning like my sanity. Like, why am I doing this? I mean, this is crazy. We're not making that much money. You know, we're making a living playing drums and making music and doing this thing and hopefully having a dream of like getting a record deal someday. And if we keep doing this, maybe it'll work out that we can have a crew to set up, which we do now. So it's, it's worked out really great. And I have no complaints at all, but I will say that it was very tough traveling back in those days in a van and trailer. Um, you know, um, it's just, it's, but what I've learned about over the years about traveling and, you know, once we did get a tour bus and we have a tour manager and a crew and all that stuff, then it's just a matter of just being there, being out on tour. You could fly, I guess, you know, we always have our choice if we want to fly in or something like that, but it's expensive. And I personally, I don't like to fly, you know, because you have to go through security all the time and you have to sit and wait in the terminal, the whole thing. And then you get on the plane and wait and wait and wait and fly. And then it's just a hassle. I almost am more comfortable on the bus to go ahead and take the bus for a day or two or whatever it is to get to the faraway destination. But what I will say about traveling that I have learned is it is what you make it. I've heard stories about, um, I think I was watching a behind the music thing one time of um, some band, I think it was like Sticks or something like that. And one of the guys in the band was talking about that he had had uh, started a family and he just had this brand new baby at home, a wife and a, and a child, and they had to get on that bus and go out on tour because they were super busy back in those days. And uh, probably still are, I'm sure. But the musician, I don't remember who it was, a keyboard player or somebody, said that every day that they checked into that hotel and that door would close, it was almost like a prison cell. It was like almost shutting the door to a prison cell because he wasn't able to be home with his child and his wife. And he really missed that, and it really ate at him. It, it bugged him that he was out on the road doing this. Although he was happy, he was making music. Um, to him, it was like being in prison. And so, you know, that being said, I think that traveling out on the road is what you make it. You can look forward to it. You can bring things with you, books. You can you can do some writing. Now, when I was back in the day, when I was in Canyon, we worked all the time. I hardly ever got back home to do anything. And I was sort of interested in being a filmmaker back in those days. And so I went and bought, a, you know, whatever I could afford, a Super 8 camera. And I could, that was back in the 80s when you could buy Super 8 film, like real film, Super 8 film off the shelf at a drugstore or a grocery store or whatever in their photo department. They actually had Super 8 film, home movie film, I guess you would call it, on the shelves. And I would go in and just buy them out. I would just like, if they had four rolls, I'd buy four rolls and take it out on the road with me. And I became sort of the band's kind of cinematographer, you know. And that gave me purpose and it gave me something to do while I was out on the road and something to look forward to, a skill to learn, uh, uh, something to do with my hands and something to think about. Like I want to, I would document everything. If the bus broke down, I would film that. If uh, we would be setting up or playing on stage, I would get I would hand somebody off the camera and have them shoot a little bit of film while we were playing. 
and uh, just our travels and all the thing. I became sort of the documentarian of the band, and I carried that over into Lone Star when I joined Texas E, which later became Lone Star. I had so much fun doing that in Canyon and being sort of that guy with the camera and everybody's face that I took it on when I got in Lone Star. And I, I didn't shoot film like I did then, but I went to a pawn shop and I just I just had enough money to afford myself a little Sony Handycam 8mm video. It was a video camera. It was 8mm video and it was a little camcorder. I think it was like $300 or something like that used in a pawn shop. I put that camera to so much use. That thing worked flawlessly the whole time I had it for years. We were in those van and trailer days. It was the van and trailer days, and I had my little handy cam, and I was able to shoot so much behind-the-scenes funny, crazy, weird stuff that we had, like, really crappy hotel rooms, and I remember shooting. Uh, Michael and I used to room together, and we would shoot these little uh, sort of short films about how bad the hotel room was and how the, the, the shower knob, when you turn to hot or cold, didn't make any sense. It was either hot or cold. You never knew it was hot or cold because it spun around in a circle and uh, things like that. And just like horrible cable boxes that didn't work that the wires were sticking out of. And um, this had a lot of fun documenting all those fun, crazy times. And I still have those tapes to this day. I still have all those crazy um, road tapes that we, that I shot of the band and all that. And I, then as we kind of got more into making records and, which, by the way, when we were making our records, I was in the studio with my camera documenting the whole making of the Lonely Grill album and things like that. I still have all that footage. So um, I, I will say that being on the road is what you make it. It's what you make of it. You can either be miserable and feel like you're in a prison or you can have fun with it and you can learn a foreign language. You could read books. You can... Um, it's just what you make it. And of course, I will say that with technology the way it is now, it certainly has made it a lot more fun and a lot easier to communicate with families. But I remember back in the day when we were just in the van and trailer, and that was back in the days before cell phones and that kind of thing, before computers. We had to, to stay in touch with our girlfriends or family or whatever. We had to use hotel phones, which you had a credit card number, that you from whatever long distance service you were on, say if it was AT&T or something, you had to know the number and you dial the number and then you would dial in your credit card number and then it would charge you whatever the charge was. And I remember Michael was so good at typing in his number that uh, because he, he, in high school, he studied, um, he was in a typing class or something, and he learned, uh, what do you call it, 10 key or whatever that is, where you, it's like a number pad, and you, you learn how to type the numbers really fast, and he was a whiz at that, so he would get on the telephone, and he would type in these numbers so fast, it was like lightning speed, I didn't even think he was really typing anything in there, but it worked, he was absolutely correct, he could type in those numbers so fast, I was very impressed with that, but um, yeah, back in the days with um, hotel telephones and um, credit card numbers and all that. Nowadays with technology, we have phones and computers and we can do FaceTime calls and we can do Zoom. We can uh, keep in touch in ways that we never could before. But um, it was always it was always tough. And another aspect about it that um, I will remember is, you know, trying to 
pay bills and have a like a some kind of a life and a place to live like an apartment or something now i know musicians some musicians in the past that would tour all the time didn't even have a place to live they would just sort of put their stuff in storage or all everything they owned was in a suitcase and i will say that um i when i go home these days i li- i still live out of my suitcase i never fully unpack i mean i to this day i just it's just a waste of time for me i take my clothes out i do laundry i pack them back in my suitcase and i have a little place next to my bed where i keep my suitcase open and i still live out of my suitcase basically when i'm home um i do have a dresser but i normally have just extra things like socks and underwear and stuff like that but i rarely ever use that that dresser for anything. I usually live out of my suitcase, but trying to live in an apartment back then traveling all the time, you would miss things like, um, I remember one time I had a motorcycle, a dirt bike that I had bought and I think some tools and stuff like that, that I had next to the motorcycle. I had chained everything up next to this, I guess it was a fence or something, you know, at this apartment complex I lived at, I was on the road for a solid, month I would say probably four weeks or longer when I came back the motorcycle the tools everything was gone it was completely gone and I I asked the apartment I told the apartment complex about it asked if you know they knew anything about it and they said oh yeah we had to have that hauled away because it was chained to this fence where they you know had to do something repair to the fence or something like that they couldn't that that motorcycle wasn't supposed to be there or something like that. So, and it was gone. So, uh, things like that, trying to pay your bills, trying to have a relationship with somebody that when you're traveling all the time and they're home all the time, it's just really difficult. It can be really difficult. And especially for your significant other who has to sit at home and wonder if you're safe, wonder if you're, you know, if you're being faithful or wonder all that stuff. It just, it all goes into, you know, sometimes not a pleasant experience being a traveling musician and um, trying to have a relationship with somebody. It's always, it's always tough. Um, It's tough on the gear when you're out on the road, you've got all your equipment with you. And that's, you know, kind of, you know, in a lot of cases when you're starting out the drum kit you're playing or the guitars or whatever, it's pretty much the only thing you, you have. That's, that's your gear. You bring it with you and you make a living with it. So if it gets damaged or stolen or confiscated or something like that, you're sort of stuck. I mean, that's your living. You have to make a living. And in a lot of cases, you may not have enough money saved up to buy all new equipment, you know. So you have to borrow equipment from somebody or uh, take a loan out for equipment before you can go out and make money again. It can be it can be really, really challenging. And, um, you know, some other challenges, I would say, is like um, – being out on the road and having to do laundry, just something as simple as that. Now, some hotels do have laundry facilities and it's great, you know, but some of them don't. So you have to try and find a laundromat somewhere on, if you have a day off, sometimes you do have a day off. I mean, you're not playing like seven days a week. Some days we did, but hopefully there's a couple of days off. And then those days you've got to find a laundromat, like the whole band will just like go you know, who all wants to go do laundry? So we'll all take the van and go over to like a laundromat. We'll sit there for two or three hours and wash and dry clothes and things like that. And then you start out the next week with fresh clothes and that kind of thing. And there's always this thing that we used to 
make fun of each other that we used to do out on the road because sometimes the schedule was too tight to be able to do laundry. We just couldn't have a place to do it. We didn't have time to do it. So we would do what we call going to Walmart and doing laundry, like in quotation marks, going to Walmart to do your laundry. In other words, buying, having to buy new clothes because you don't have enough time, uh, can't find a laundromat or the hotel washing machines are broken or taken up by other guests and you just there's no way to do laundry so the only alternative is to go to walmart and buy new clothes buy socks underwear maybe a shirt you know a pair of jeans or something like that and then there you go you've got enough for the next night or to hold you over until you can do laundry again and i don't know how many times i've done that in the past done laundry at walmart basically bought new clothes you have to do that um the hotel rooms, like I said, can be really bad. They can be cruddy. Um, you can, you know, I don't know. There could be mold and things like that. It could be just, I've been in some pretty horrible, danky, um, musty, smoke-filled, smoke-smelling rooms before. Um, and and not just in the early days. I mean, even in our heyday, you know, back in the early 2000s when Amaze was out and all these big songs, I'm already there. We would still, every once in a while, every once in a while, we would have to stay in some little, you know, flea bag motel somewhere, you know. That's just the way, that's all they had. You know, all the other rooms were sold out in the town or whatever, and all they had left was these cruddy little rooms, and it's just what you have to deal with sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, it can be fun too you know it can be a challenge the challenges can be fun getting out there and knowing that you're making music and you're setting up every day and you're overcoming these challenges and hopefully you're having a little bit of fun out there meeting new people and getting to see some scenery and we make each other we crack each other up all the time making jokes and the memories that we're making out on the road and that we have made over the years just um great stories to tell our our children and our grandchildren um there's um, also uh, dramas like uh, buses breaking down. You know, we, um, buses are mechanical things. They have, they're not perfect. Um, you try to keep maintenance on them as best you can. And there's been some cases where we have actually missed a really big uh, gig, I remember, because of a bus breakdown. And it was one of those kind of things that the bus left that night and took off and then broke down and they sent somebody to come fix it. But then we, Richie or somebody was able to fix it. And then, so they went back home. The repair person turned around and went back home and we continued on only to face more problems and more problems that we couldn't fix. And it was on a Sunday when no mechanics were around and basically ended up missing that whole gig, which is hardly ever done in our career, missed a gig. But there's two occasions I can remember one was a bus thing and one was a flight that got canceled where we had to just say, we can't get there. We, we, we're we sorry, but we can't make it. We can't make the gig because of transportation problems. And those always happen. You know, there was a, a flight. We were supposed to play up in Canada and there was an international flight that just, they just canceled it for no reason. I think it was, I want to say it was United, but I'm not sure. I won't call them out on that, but I think it was, anyway, might've been United, might've been another airline. It just canceled just for no reason. Sorry, you know. And there, what we checked every flight we possibly could. Our tour manager 
checked every flight that we possibly could in and around there to get there, to take a van, to whatever. And every single scenario was a no-go. Like there was no way that with that flight canceled like that, there was no way that we could make it in time to do the show. The, the, the best case scenario was that we got there that night, basically when the show should have been over. So we had to cancel the show and say that we, there's no way we can get there. We're really sorry. And uh, that happens, you know, um, things happen, mechanical problems break down. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, like uh, musicians will uh, have personal problems and they can't show up or something like that. Luckily, we haven't had that, but that does happen to some bands. You know, some bands get in an argument or something and they have to, you know, uh, find another musician or something like that. There's a lot of challenges out there putting a band together and keeping a band together and keeping a band, you know, where they're not killing each other, you know, because the challenges out on the road are so much that you could, a band, if a band has been out there for a little while, they could be at each other's throats. But luckily in this band, Lone Star, we have been such good friends and not to say that there haven't been challenges, personality challenges, but we've managed to get through them all and we managed to stay friends and stay like a family and work out all our problems and keep going as a band and uh, work out all our issues and keep ourselves laughing and having fun and making music and stuff. You know, but we managed to, you know, we managed to make it through, you know, 30 years of being a band and uh, staying a band. Um, I will say that another aspect of traveling that is a little bit strange about being a traveling musician is when you do get home, uh, life at home can be very strange for a little while because think about it. You're used to everything you do being traveling like, you know, you're in a hotel room or you're in a van or you're in a bus or you're on an airplane you're playing a lot of times late into the night and having to work, which means you don't go to bed until, you know, one or two in the morning or sometimes later. And then you go home and you kind of have to settle into something like a normal life, you know. And so I've always had problems with when I get home trying to go to sleep at a normal time at like nine or ten at night when my significant other is wanting to go to bed, wanting to go to sleep, and she's in a normal routine of normal sleeping hours, and I'm not. So it's sometimes difficult. So I'll have to stay up for a little while and maybe watch TV or something like that. So it's it's difficult to try and uh, just just to settle back into a normal home life just for a couple of days until you have to get back out on the bus again and go live that life again. And it, it's hard on your sleep patterns. It's hard on your eating patterns. Your, um, you know, your meals and things like that are at different times. Uh, workouts are can be challenging out on the road. I find working out at home a lot easier because I have a membership to the YMCA. And I in the warmer months, I go run the high school track, uh, the local high school, usually in the evening. Uh, just before the sun goes down and it's not too awfully hot, I'll go and run the track and get my run in that way. Out on the road, I don't like to, I don't like hotel gyms and things like that because I find them to be not very well maintained and um, I just, there, there's no consistency there for me. So uh, I find that playing drums for an hour and a half every night get, burns about 600 calories and that's what I try to 
keep as my workout. But yeah, life at home can be very difficult when you've just come in off the road and, um, you know, you have to kind of settle in for a few days, trying to make things normal. And it's, it's amazing to me that how much traveling we've done that I have as many hobbies as that I have, you know, at home, like I do woodwork and I do filmmaking and I, I've gotten into 3d printing and, you know, computer stuff like that, um, that I can really kind of only do at home. Uh, and it's amazing that I've been able to do all that, but I will say that I have been fortunate that this band Lone Star has not been one of those bands that goes out on tour and stays out on tour for a whole year long, you know, like some of the big rock tours do. We had always decided that we were going to, we were going to, you know, have families and we were going to try and be home as much as we could. So we would go out on the road and we have done this pretty much our whole career, go out on the road for a few days and then come back for a few days and then go back. We were in and out all the time. Now we have done some tours before where we were gone for six weeks or, or something like that, or a couple of months. Um, but that's been about the most. That's been about the extreme. And and that's enough time. When you come home for a couple of days, that's enough time to do what you need to do at home and stuff like that. But it, it is tough with sleeping habits and uh, eating habits and things like that. Uh, I will say that it has been a challenge through the years to try and have some kind of a normal life and travel out on the road. But we love it, and we love making music, and we love bringing our music to the fans and what it means to people. It keeps us going. And another aspect I will talk about a little bit about the positive aspect about being out on the road is doing your doing your work and things like that is writing. It gives you the opportunity to experience things, to be in a different headspace, to um, open up your mind. And you, when as a writer, as a songwriter, you you hear a lot of these songs that you could just tell was written from a traveling perspective, from a traveling musician, um, missing people, um, seeing new things, seeing scenery, um, uh, um, uh, coming into new towns that you've never been in before, flying, things like that. Um, like Steve Miller band uh, song, Jet Airliner, you know, you know that's come from personal experience about traveling and that kind of thing. A lot of songs coming from that type of thing. Willie Nelson's On the Road Again, stuff like that. Um, you know that those songs were only contrived by having lived out on the road and experiencing life as a traveling musician. So, uh, yeah, that's one good thing that can come from traveling is your ability to create and to keep that creative process going and then to bring that that whole bunch of ideas back into town on your time off when you've decided to work on a record and you bring those experiences that you've done out on the road and you bring them back into the studio and make music, make new music out of it. You know, our song I'm Already There was written out of personal traveling, being away from our families and that kind of thing. So um, it's not all bad. It can be good. You can get some uh, really neat stuff out out of it and really fun experiences, and um, meet new people, see new places. Uh, when I was in Canyon, we went over to Switzerland. The first time we really had a big, like, uh, overseas kind of tour that we ever did, we were booked um, over in Switzerland at a big Marlboro Country Music Festival over there, which the Swiss, they, they love, Swiss and the Germans, they love country music. 
And they get these big festivals together where they wear cowboy hats and they dress up as cowboys, kind of like the old school cowboys, like Roy Rogers and things like that. They'll even wear like like fake guns and stuff like that, like oh, taking all their cues from old cowboy movies, like Roy Rogers and John Wayne and things like that. That's what they think country music is, or at least they did in the late 80s. I'm not sure what they think now, but um, we'd go over there into our brand of country, which really wasn't their brand of country, but they still dug us. They still liked us and our look and our sound and things like that. But it wasn't the, the kind of country that, that we were up against at that Marlboro Country Music Festival was things like Ghost Riders in the Sky and Country Roads and very traditional kind of country is what they were really into. And we were doing, in Canyon, we were doing kind of more 80s style, modern with synthesizers and things like that country. So although it wasn't their brand of country, they still seemed to like us over there. And we went over there twice and was able to kind of experience the whole Swiss countryside. And I believe it was in um, September or something like that, you know, Um, just coming off of the summer and it was still warm there and that kind of thing. So we, we had a good time, met some friends over there and, had a good time, learned a little bit of the language. I did anyway. Um, so that was really fun. And then years later, we went back over with Lone Star. We did kind of the same type of thing. I don't know if it was the same Marlboro Country Music Festival, but it was a country music festival that we did over there and uh, played in front of those crazy Swiss crowds. You know, they're, they're just nuts, those people over there. They love country music so much and they just don't care. They're just like, they're out to have a good time, they drink. And they just get crazy, and they love their country music over there. So we brought it to them. We've done tours in England. We got to be on top of the pops before, which is really neat, going over to London and being there for a week or two and touring over in Ireland and doing some TV and some gigs over there. That was really fun. Been over to Ireland a few times. And I will say that we have, of all the places we've been with Lone Star, we have never gotten to tour in Japan or Australia. And those are two places to me that I would love to go. I would love to go travel there. So we're hopefully talking about doing some tours over there, over in definitely in Australia, because uh, Drew, our lead singer, he's done some tours over there before, and he knows those people over there to talk to about doing the tours and things like that. And he's already got that kind of in the works doing um a tour in Australia, and hopefully we'll get to go to Japan sometime in the next couple of years. That would be awesome. And, um, yeah. I will say uh, another thing about aspect about traveling that uh, you could learn from as a musician is to have a good tour manager. A good tour manager can make or break a tour, can make or break being out on the road. It can be, he can, he or she can make it either a nightmare or can make it super great. And tour managers, they just know how to facilitate everything from hotel rooms uh, to load-in times. And they are sort of the they're sort of the hub of the wheel of the whole machine that that runs out on tour. The tour manager is kind of the hub of that of that wheel and makes sure that everything happens and everybody if somebody gets in trouble or something like that they they're they're there to handle that um uh if equipment problems happen they're there to take care of that if transportation problems happen they're there to take care of that they just 
they just take care of everything. And I'll say, when I say it could make or break, it can either be a nightmare or it can be, you know, heaven, is that we had a not great tour manager uh, once, and um, I had to go to the hospital. Uh, And I don't really want to blame it on him, but I will say that if things were done properly, if he had done things properly, I wouldn't have had to go to the hospital. And it was out in Queens Creek, Arizona, doing a sh- two shows out there in one day. We were doing the main stage at about 3 p.m., and it was so hot. It was over 100 degrees out there. The air conditioning was out on our bus, and we the, the times that we were playing, we totally missed the catering, the, the food. They would take the food up at certain times, and they would put it out at certain times. It seems like it was always out when we were busy playing or setting up. And then we'd come back and it was all gone. So we didn't get to eat. And they kept shoving bottles of water at us. Well, I got so, uh, from playing drums and that kind of thing, so heat exhausted out in that heat that that, um, I had to go to the hospital basically because there was no food. I had no electrolytes in my body. Um, Had been sweating out in the heat all day. And we had a second show to do at the, I guess, the beer tent or whatever it was. We had we had to set up, tear down. They had booked us there, too. So we did a whole nother show at that same venue, the same thing. But but after, like, the main act had played or whatever, they just booked us over at this tent. It was a bizarre day. But um, needless to say, I had to go to the hospital because I was so badly heat exhausted that I um, had to go to the hospital. And um, that was probably one of the worst days of my touring career. Um I did eventually get out of the hospital, and they they gave me an IV with all kinds of electrolytes and things like that. But I had such a bad headache, and I I almost passed out. I was almost at the pass-out point. But we were supposed to sign autographs after the second show, and there was about 400 people in line to get our autograph. And I started looking pale and and, uh, just just like I was going to pass out. And John Rich at the time, he said, hey, man, you don't look good. He said, why don't you go just go to the bus which, by the way, had no air conditioning. Air conditioning was out on the bus. But he said, why don't you go to the bus and, or go lay down or something? You know, you don't look well. So I did and uh, started getting nauseous and things like that. Because So they called the paramedics and ended up taking me to the hospital. So that can happen out on tour. You can have bad days like that. And it can be due to not a great tour manager. But if it, we had a good tour manager at the time, they would have gone out and got food from the vendors out in the, there was all this food out in the pizza food trucks and pizza places and hamburgers and all that stuff out in the thing. He could have just taken a little bit of money, gone out there, bought some food, came back and we could have gotten to eat. And also there were other things going on that day. There were some radio stations that wanted to have us come interview. We, we did a photo shoot that day for country weekly uh, there was all kinds of stuff going on like that, you know, uh, the people that were just pulling us right and left. It was right about when No News, our song No News was number one out on the charts, and it had been number one for a couple of weeks already. So we were we were uh, being pulled left and right, and if we had a decent tour manager at the time, he would have said, all right, look, I need to get my guys back here. They got to eat. They got to have a rest before they have to go do the second show or whatever. So, um yeah, a good tour manager can make or break a tour for sure. You got to have somebody that really knows their stuff and knows what they're doing. Um, other things are like um, being sick out on the road. Um, I have been sick a few times. Luckily, I'm healthy and I've always been pretty healthy. 
But when I first joined Canyon, the group Canyon, I had no bus experience at all. It was rough. I joined this band, and before that, I'd always been in like vans and trailers and things like that. It was my first sort of tour, like really big band with a record deal and that kind of thing. And so I got on the bus, and I just sort of assumed that I would have a, you know, I had a bunk and everything, but I just kind of assumed that it was already furnished and with blankets and pillows and whatever, sleeping bag. It had nothing. It was just a blank mattress. And they were like, you didn't bring a sleeping bag? And I'm like, oh, I kind of thought there'd be a blanket or something. So I think the first couple of days there, I just froze in that thing because, and it was in the summer, it was during the summer, but Canyon those guys in that band Canyon, they liked that bus freezing cold. They always liked it. Super, super cold on there, like freezing cold. And they would have their sleeping bags and their blankets and they get all comfortable in there. And and I, I don't blame them because one of the worst things to feel on a tour bus is, is sweaty and hot and suffocating and that kind of thing. You don't ever want that. It's almost better to have it cold on a bus and to bundle up if you need to bundle up, but they always kept it super cold on there. And my bunk, when I first got in Canyon, was in the very back at the bottom, down by the floor. So that's where all the cold air would fall. And I think there was a vent right across the the hallway there on the bus uh, that blew right into my bunk. And so the first time I was out with Canyon, I caught a cold, a summer cold. I had the flu. I got in the flu. And it was just like a nightmare. I didn't think I was going to live through it. But I discovered Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine. <laughs> I had gone to a store and I got some, I just thought, I just anything would be better than nothing, you know. So I happened to get some Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine, took it, and I was fine. It, it made my symptoms go away. I could play. I could, I could do my job and I could load, set up drums and feel good. And as soon as I started feeling the symptoms come back, I would just do another Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine, and it would make me feel better again. And I got over that cold, and then that became my go-to medicine out on the road for years and years and years. To this day, if I ever get sick out on the road, it's Alka-Seltzer Plus cold medicine. keeps those symptoms away, and it keeps me gives me a little bit of energy, and uh, I can continue on doing my job. So, yeah, those are kind of my ins and outs of traveling as a touring musician. I'm sure that I could have reached out to a lot of my musician friends and gotten many, 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 many stories, both good and bad from all them, but I thought I would just share some of my personal travel experiences as a traveling musician and artist and all that, and uh, so many years I've been doing it now, 40 years now. Now that can't compare to, uh, you know, um, Joe Smith with um, Sawyer Brown, he's been in the same band, Sawyer Brown, for 40 years playing. And uh, that's pretty remarkable. I've just been a drummer for 40 years, like making my living playing, whether it's local or playing in clubs or whatever. But um, anyway, that's just some of my personal experiences and things I've learned uh, being a touring musician, both good and bad. I'm going to keep on continue doing it from this point on, you know just gonna keep going until I can't do it anymore and when I'm about you know I don't know 85 87 you know I might slow down who knows as long as I can still play drums I'll still be traveling and I love playing with this band and these guys they're my best friends they're my business partners they're my family they're my brothers 
you know, um, and I love what we do and I'm going to continue doing. All of us feel the same. All of us feel like, yeah, we'll just keep doing this till we can't anymore. We have so much fun doing it and bringing our music to the people and just thank you to all our fans out there that come listen to our shows and allow us to travel and do what we do and experience the things that we do. Thank you to all you guys and gals out there for buying our records and listening to our music and and especially those of you who are listening to my podcast. I really appreciate that. I put a lot of effort into creating this podcast and a lot of times I have really, really great guests on here. Sometimes I don't when I'm like today, we're just traveling and we're just moving around and I need to put a podcast out. So I'll just brainstorm and I'll think about what I can talk about and what I can share with you guys. And um, today it's all about um, traveling because today was a full travel day. It's supposed to be a day off. So we're going to meet up here in just a little bit and go out and have some Thai food here in Pendicton, Canada, Alberta, Canada. It's beautiful up here. And tomorrow night we're going to do a big show here with Sawyer Brown again. And I hope that uh, it's a success as they have been this last full week of touring. I think we're doing like nine shows with Sawyer Brown. Eight or nine, I think, or something like that. It's going to be, um, has been great and it's going to be just as great. Uh, everybody loves Sawyer Brown. Everybody loves Lone Star. Everybody loves Doc Walker. And everybody loves George Canyon. So this is a chance for everybody to come out and see all of us and experience these uh, these big shows and these hockey arenas. It's really fun. So um, from me here at Designated Drummer to you, I extend a happy holiday coming up in Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has a good one. And I will be coming up here next week with another, hopefully another guest, but another um, nice little podcast. And I hope you enjoy it. And until then, I will see you next time. Bye.